With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. And welcome to another edition of the Husker Online Show, as we've got a full show on tap here today. Lots of going on, and uh, we are going to be joined here later in the show as well by Nebraska's new uh, uh, assistant director of personnel and relations to Mike Riley, Billy Devaney. Did I get the title right, Nate? I mean, what, what is Billy Devaney's official title? Well, it's it's a special assistant to the head coach and uh, I think director of, of pers- player personnel or something like that. I don't Just know. Just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we will be joined by Billy Devaney. Uh, and it will be very interesting to, to hear what he has to say. But uh, before we get um, to some other topics throughout the show, like Nebraska basketball and recruiting, uh, some national stuff that pertains to Nebraska, um, as we ended our show last Thursday morning, uh, the NCAA did announce that satellite camps are back in the books. And, Nate, what we've seen um, is just this – onslaught of satellite camps and super camps being set up around the country um you know huge camps with like 50 teams involved and uh sec teams teaming up with big 10 teams what are your thoughts on just kind of uh how this is all formed and and is it a good thing or a bad thing is it going to water things down to have this many satellite camps well first of all it didn't come as a surprise that they reversed the decision especially when the the department of justice was getting involved and taking a closer look at it all but um, you know, now it's just turned into a free for all. Everyone is doing satellite camps and everyone who, uh, had no interest in doing them beforehand are all of a sudden doing them now. I, th- I think it, it almost feels like they, everyone feels forced, you know, that they have to go out. out Even Iowa's go. involved. In Even Iowa is involved. And, and Kirk Ferentz is about the last guy that wanted to get involved in all of this, but he is, and, and they're going to be going to Georgia where they've, I don't know the last time any Georgia recruit ever went to, to Iowa. But I guess that's probably for another podcast. But, um, you know, I I think it is going to get watered down a little bit when you're talking about, you know, uh, being able to go out there and get in front of kids and kind of get to know these guys and put your best foot forward to help you not only evaluate what kind of talent that these kids have, but kind of let these kids, you know, get a good feel for how you are, how you coach and and what your program's all about. You know, it's going to be hard to do when you've got 40, 50, you know, different schools represented at some of these super camps and everything so it's not as specialized not as uh you know not as uh, personal i think is what it used to be and uh we're going to see nebraska still go out there and take part in these but i don't think that we're going to see as many individual nebraska only type of satellite los camps. angeles like right now just talking to some people over at nebraska it sounds like los angeles will definitely be an entire staff camp and that was what was unique as you mentioned last year nebraska had five scheduled satellite camps they wanted to have six uh, it worked out to have five, and they had 15 different staff and personnel members traveling, kind of uh, the Nebraska traveling roadshow. Exactly. Where, uh, this year, it's going to be 
two or three coaches here, there type of like the sound mind body, uh, you know, caught a lot of uh, social media attention that Bo Pelini um, could be working at camp with Mike Riley in the sound mind body yeah. circuit. Yeah. So Mike, uh, yeah, Mike Riley and Bo Pelini will be at, le- at least one of the sound mind sound body camps uh, along with, you know, 45 other different coaches, but that is going to be, you know, most definitely a storyline that these two coaches are going to be at the same camp. Uh, I don't, I don't foresee too many conversations taking place between these two guys. There'll be about a 50 yard restraining exactly, order. Yeah. I, I think one, one, I, my guess would be that Bo Pelini would, would probably stay on one side of uh, one side of the field, or I don't know how they're going to be set up, but um, I'd be shocked if these two guys are chumming it up on, on the sidelines or out on the field while they're coaching guys up and evaluating. But uh, that is definitely interesting. You're going to have a, a melting pot of coaches out there, and, and at one of these camps, at least, you're going to have you know the current Nebraska head coach and, and the former Husker head coach. I got a question for both of you guys, just looking for the future of satellite camps. I mean, obviously the NCAA, I think part of the reason for their initial ruling was just kind of to keep things under control with the extent to which these satellite camps go. I mean, they don't want Harbaugh like having a Ferris wheel and, you know, uh, people. <laughs> Hooters girls. Yeah, exactly. Checking kids in. That was another social media. <laughs> yeah. Some Pac-12 official said Jim Harbaugh would have Hooters girls at the check-in table. Exactly. Good. So what does the NCAA, I mean, how do you foresee them handling this now? I mean, obviously they brought them back, but how do you regulate these things to make sure they don't get into a complete freak show. I, th- I think you can do some form of limiting your days, maybe not allowing head. You could also say no head coaches at satellite camps. I think that kind of to match up the evaluation period because right now coaches, Nate, they can't go out in spring. So why should, why are they allowed to go out for the satellite camps? Exactly. I mean, I think that's, that's something I, I could see being adjusted. Yeah. That, I think that, that makes perfect sense. Why, you know, why can't you go out during April and May, but all of a sudden you can go out wherever June. you want in June. <laughs> it doesn't make a whole lot of sense there. So I, I think it, there definitely needs to be some sort of regulation. What makes most sense in my opinion is to say, okay, uh, during the first you know week and a half of June or whatever the case may be, wh- whenever you've got seven days to hold you know, five satellite camps and and you can't be on a high school campus, you know, because what Michigan has done is they're going out, they have a satellite camp at uh, the high, the high school of a five star wide receiver out in California that they're recruiting. They're at the high school of uh, the number one running back in the nation who's committed to Alabama. So they he's have, from Alabama, right? No, he's oh. from California. So they've they have uh, specifically targeted where their satellite camps are at. They're at the same high schools as as some of the top prospects in the country. That I think is something that needs to be regulated. And, and I mean, that's just kudos to Michigan for getting it done. But at the same time, it's not. I mean, that that's teetering on the line of being. Legit. I'd be curious who the guy is at Michigan that like kind of is the idea man because it's not Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh supports his guys. He's letting them obviously set these things up and and it's making them look good. But there's got to be one or two kind of behind the scenes guys that we don't even know who they are oh, yeah. that have really kind of grown this monster and and they probably are hopefully being well compensated for all the things they've been able to do at Michigan. I have a feeling there's a they've got a little think tank of of uh, a handful of guys who are coming up with 
ideas to to really kind of circumvent the rules and find loopholes. And then Harbaugh's the guy who is green lighting all these. And, and they're probably all cut out of the same mold as Harbaugh. I bet you they're all real cocky, abrasive individuals uh, that are kind of forward thinking guys. But uh, yeah, I don't think Harbaugh is the one who's coming up with these ideas. And as we wrap things up here, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Robin, uh, Big 12 expansion rumors uh, back in full sp- uh, swing. I'll never forget uh, how many years ago it was, maybe six years mm-hmm. ago. Uh, I sent you down to Kansas City for those Big 12 spring meetings. Dan Beebe was in charge. and it bizarre um, world. It ended up being kind of the beginning of the end for the Big 12. But here we are, 2016. Uh, the Big 12 is still trying to figure out what they want to be. They're talking about um, trying to add two more teams. Oklahoma's not happy. Texas doesn't want to eliminate the Longhorn Network. And, um, you know, there's a lot of talk. I mean, the Big Ten could add maybe potentially uh, more teams with Oklahoma being one of them. So there's a lot of interest right now uh, in more expansion talk here in May. Yeah, and, you know, for the Big 12's sake, they need to expand. I mean, they can't continue to think that they're going to remain uh, a top-flight conference with you know, not even having a championship. But how do you expand without making more money? That's the problem. Like, right. you add two more teams, you cut the pie into 10 to 12. What two teams can expand the pie? And and they're figuring out there's nobody that's going yeah. to grow the pie of money. Um, so they wanted to stick at 10 to keep their shares what they are. But long-term, they're going to get blown past by the SEC and the Big 12. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you look at the teams that are rumored to be joining. Was it Cincinnati, one of them? Cincinnati, BYU, yeah. Central Florida. BYU, I, I mean, that's that's a moneymaker. Just See, was, I would go Boise State BYU. That'd, that'd be, be my two. Be great. Um, but the problem is you got to give West Virginia a traveling partner. Yeah. West Virginia's closest team in the Big Twelve is Iowa State, nine hundred miles away. That's unbelievable. So yeah, I, I mean, they get they got to get creative here because, like you said, the, the the clock is ticking on them to remain a viable conference, and that's why. I mean, it seems like every single year the Big 12 is in discussions on adding teams and um, you know how they're going to you know make that next move to to you know remain relevant and so i think that you know i could see why oklahoma is kind of sitting back saying you know what are we well everyone wants that big 10 money yeah you look at the big 10 and the sec in a five-year period purdue and teams like illinois will make a hundred million dollars more than a big 12 team will make wow that's unbelievable so there is going to be some competitive disadvantages and i think oklahoma feels like they should be at the same table as a Nebraska, yeah. and they should. They should, um, and they make the perfect sense to join that conference too because, if for one, like you said, like the argument for West Virginia, a traveling partner, that gives Nebraska a traveling partner. I mean, they're the San Diego of the Big Ten right now, so you got to give something you know, to kind of uh, balance things yeah, give out. Give me Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Kansas, and I think everybody would be jumping for joy. Boy, that, that basketball season would be sweet. All right, well, we come back. We're going to talk more basketball. Uh, Husker basketball had a big week. They hired a new coach. They picked up a transfer that was formerly in the Rivals 150, and they had a big-time recruit on campus. We'll get Robin's take on all of that next, and we'll also hear from Billy Devaney, as I said earlier, uh, as we continue this Husker Online podcast. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. This is Sean Callahan with Robin Washington. It's been a busy week for Nebraska ball as the Huskers had a lot of different headlines kind of move the meter and wanted to bring Robin in here to to break down all that. And Robin, let's first start with the hiring of Michael Lewis, Nebraska's new assistant coach, 
Uh, this is a big hire for Tim Miles, and you know you, you bring a guy that was from Butler, a part of some great teams at Butler, has a strong Midwest recruiting presence. In a lot of ways, I mean, I feel like this is about as good of a hire as Tim Miles could have made. I agree, especially when you look at, you know, kind of checking all the boxes of what you want in an assistant coach. I mean, you mentioned, you know, his ties in Indiana. They go back even further. He was a standout <laughs> basketball player at Jasper High School in Indiana. Um, he was regarded as one of the top high school basketball players to come out of that state, actually. I think the top 100, the Indy Star put out a list. And then he went on to play at Indiana uh, under Bob Knight uh, and ended up hit- ending his career as the school's all-time assist leader. And that record held all the way until this past season when Yogi Ferrell finally broke it. Uh, he went on to play some you know, semi-pro ball and even played in Belgium for a little bit. Came back uh, to coach, you know, uh, took a grad assistant job at Texas Tech under his old coach, Bob Knight. So that was kind of his start in the coaching ranks, you know, learning from a a Hall of Fame coach and uh, worked his way up, had some stints at Stephen F. Austin and then got a full-time spot at uh, Eastern Illinois and then was hired at Butler five years ago by Brad Stevens. And so uh, clearly very highly thought of by some very respected minds in the coaching ranks. And, uh, you know, the fact that he is the quintessential Big Ten guy um, you know, makes full sense why he would want to leave, you know, a program that uh, has obviously had quite a bit more success than Nebraska uh, to come here. Uh, I mean, I've clearly there's still that the, he's going to get a bump in pay, but I think getting into the Big Ten uh, is a real draw for him, uh, especially with his ties. Yeah, you, you look at that decision because Butler's obviously a great program, yes. a better program than Nebraska. I, no mean, I don't think anyone's going to argue that. And uh, I, I just think, as you mentioned, how big that Big Ten uh, to get in this league in, in a lot of ways, maybe with Butler now in the Big East, it's maybe shifted some of their recruiting demographics because they are recruiting. Yeah, they're hitting the East Coast hard, and you have to in that conference. And so that's one of the big draws for why Nebraska wanted Michael Lewis was because right now they don't have anybody with any inroads in the state of Indiana. In fact, I think in the last decade, the only player Nebraska's had from the state of Indiana was Bear Ashante Bear-Jones, if anybody remembers that guy. Uh, but, you know, clearly that is a, a footprint in the Big Ten, you know, recruiting area that you want to get some some roots in. And so automatically you get that with Michael Lewis, his experience at Illinois. Clearly he, he has uh, some some ties in that state, which Nebraska has hit hard uh, recently over the past few years. Uh, and so, you know, he, he's a guy, he's an energetic guy. You know, uh, he's you know, only 38, 39 years old. He's got a ton of energy. You know, he's kind of got that, that, you know, coach night intensity, but uh, is able to, I think, keep it uh, a little bit more controlled than, you know, his mentor. But uh, yeah, clearly, I think personality wise, he's really going to fit what Tim Miles wants to do. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. We're talking storylines around Nebraska basketball. They hired Michael Lewis, but they also picked up a big-time transfer, James Palmer Jr. out of Miami. Uh, Rivals 150 recruit at one time. Robin has two years of eligibility Mm -hmm. after he sits out this upcoming season. How big of a pickup is this? And uh, you have to be patient, though. Obviously, he's not going to be eligible right away. But uh, long term, what does this mean? Yeah, it's, it's a big deal because, you know, obviously he's not going to help you next season. But look down the road for this 2017-18 roster. Your only guards on scholarship are going to be a senior Anton Gill and a junior Glenn Watson. And so clearly the backcourt was something they had to address, and uh, they did so in a big way. You know, he's another one of those guys that, um, you know, was a high-profile recruit and just didn't have the sort of success, you know, many people thought he was going to have at his first school. I mean, you could say the same thing about Andrew White and Tramp Petaway and Anton Gill, and, uh, you know, it was clearly looking for a fresh start. But, I mean, this kid was a top 100 four-star recruit for a reason. I mean, he's a, 
he's a scorer. Uh, I would liken him more to the skill set of an Anton Gill than than of a Andrew White. I mean, he's not nearly the shooter Andrew is, but as far as you know, putting the ball on the court and creating your own shot. Uh, that's going to be his specialty. So uh, I think this year off will really benefit him to work in that strength and conditioning program as it has with uh, all the transfers Nebraska has brought in. And I think uh, when he's finally eligible here in, in two years, uh, Nebraska is going to have a real you know, threat uh, as an offensive scorer uh, in James Palmer Jr. You know, just with the landscape, Robin, of college basketball now and transferring in general and, and Nebraska where they're located – how much do you think Tim Miles has come to terms that, hey, we pretty much have to take a high-profile type transfer guy every year because they've really almost done it every year since he's been here? Well, yeah, and the landscape, you basically have to, especially as a school like Nebraska where realistically, I mean, you're not going to be able to compete with the Blue Bloods for the, the top-end high school talent. But what you can do is establish yourself as you know the, the next opportunity school, which they've done. Uh, you look at their history and producing guys that, you know, hadn't had uh, the success they were looking for right away. And, you know, they, they, they come for a fresh start to Nebraska and end up having great success. And that, that's a real draw uh, for Tim Miles. And because they have a resume of guys that they've been able to, you know, turn their careers around. And that was the, one of the biggest selling points James told me when I talked to him after he committed. He said, uh, you know, I want a coach that trusts me and trusts in my ability and it allows me to play my game. And uh, that was what Tim Miles told him straight up. He said, if you come to Nebraska, you know, you're going to be able to you know, be the guy that, you know, we knew you were going to be coming out of high school. So uh, that, that is clearly a pitch Nebraska has had great success with and needs to continue to hit hard just because of the way, like you said, the landscape of college basketball is changing. Well, in 2017 or 2016, recruiting is still going on for mm-hmm. Nebraska as well. Uh, Jordy Schmanga, a six foot 11, 265 pound big man on campus. This is kind of what Nebraska's missing. Uh, they don't have very many big bodies on this team right now. Uh, how did it go with Schmanga on his official visit, and, and where do the Huskers stand? Yeah, first of all, you, you nailed the pronunciation. I was able to get official uh confirmation on what how you pronounce his last name and it is Schmanga. the t is silent so for future reference but yeah the visit uh couldn't have gone any better um you know this it's unique deal with him because you know he and his family had already been down here uh, a couple of years ago in 2014 when nebraska hosted his older brother link cadben yundi uh, on wow. An, on an, yeah, <laughs> uh, on an unofficial visit. And uh, so they already, you know, saw all the you know, facilities and arena and stuff like that. So they weren't looking for any of that stuff. What they wanted to do this past weekend was to really kind of look inside the program, you know, get a feel for the academic support, just the, the culture within the locker room and uh, just, you know, the, the way of life in Lincoln, Nebraska. And so I thought that that uh, couldn't have gone any better. You know, in fact, uh, athletic director Sean Eichhorst had a one-on-one meeting with Jordy, kind of breaking down, you know, all the benefits that uh, Nebraska has for its student athletes, both, you know, on the field, on the court and in the classroom. And so that was a real big selling point for Jordy and his family. Uh, Unfortunately, he did not commit. So that still leaves the potential that, you know, he could see another school uh, before he makes his decision. Uh, The national or the National Letter of Intent signing deadline is May 18th. Uh, so, I mean, hypothetically, you could look at that as a deadline. But uh, so there's still you can some... go past that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would just basically mean he doesn't sign a letter of intent. So uh, but the only other school he's visited is Minnesota. Minnesota doesn't have a scholarship available for him right now. So as it stands, by default, Nebraska is the choice. If another school ends up jumping in the mix and, you know, there's been schools like Oregon, Arizona, um, you know, Pitt and some others that have been mentioned, you know, along the way. 
then, you know, it might complicate some things. And, you know, there's been some rumors that, you know, he still wants to see one more school, potentially a school that's going to also offer his older brother, Link, who committed to TCU initially, went to JUCO route after he transferred at Blinn Community College down in Texas and is now looking for a new school. So that could complicate things. But I still think Nebraska is in a very, very good spot with Jordy. I mean, it just makes too much sense for him not to come here because of all the things they're offering that he wants. And briefly, as we wrap it up here, Robin, Andrew White uh, in in, uh, Siobhan Shields, both guys, NBA stuff right now. We haven't heard much on Shields. I mean, is he going through the pre-draft type things right now? And and what's the latest on White's situation? Yeah, uh, with Siobhan, really not a whole lot. But, you know, I think his... His options are going to be playing overseas if he wants to keep you know playing professionally. I don't think there's necessarily a, a, a option for him in the NBA. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. The good thing, you know, he's the smartest guy you're ever going to meet. So he's got plenty of options, you know, both on the court and off. With Andrew, uh, he's still you know out there, you know, testing the waters. You know, he hasn't uh, you know made a decision whether or not to stay in the draft or not. But he just recently, actually, I think on Thursday, uh, is going to have a. a Pre, his first pre-draft workout with the Utah Jazz. So I think he's got at least two more scheduled uh, before, you know, he has to make some, come to a decision. But uh, NBA teams are looking at him, and we'll see how those goes. And I think that'll factor in, you know, what he makes in his final decision. All right, Robin Washett here uh, giving us the latest on Nebraska basketball. When we come back here on the Husker Online Show, we're going to be joined by Nebraska's new uh, director, uh, assistant general manager in so many ways to Mike Riley. Billy Devaney will join us here next on the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus, we're pleased to be joined uh, by our next guest, uh, the newest, one of the newest additions here to Nebraska staff with Mike Riley, uh, Billy Devaney. Coach Devaney, first of all, uh, thanks for taking some time out with us. I know you're busy. Uh, you guys wrapped up your player meetings last week, so we really appreciate the time here this morning. Oh, heck, guys. It's my pleasure to be with you all. Well, Coach, uh, as you, you look at this, uh, your, your adjustment here to Nebraska, you've had two months now or more on the job. Uh, let's get right into it. What, what has been maybe the biggest adjustment for you from going into the professional game now into the college game? Oh, great question. Um, well, when I got here, it was right at the outset of spring practice. So I was able to jump in and um, get get involved um, with our roster, getting familiar with our roster, uh, and that was an easy transition. You're just watching, you're watching practice, evaluating players. Now, with spring practice being over, I'm kind of transitioning over into more of the recruiting side and looking at a lot of high school tape, and that's going to be an adjustment for me. And with time, it, it, it'll be fine and it'll, it'll work out. I just I need to look at a ton of high school tape just to get a base on what good high school players look like. I mean, I'm looking, I, I look at a guy, every guy I look at now, I, I tell Gundy and the other personnel guys, gosh, I love this guy. And I say, well, he's not even one of the better ones. Where do you, where, where do you see the other guys we show you? So I need to become familiar with the level of high school talent around the country and then trying to project. Um, you know, it's, a, it's much easier on the college side when you're looking at juniors and seniors and projecting maybe one a year down the road, two years down the road, but we're looking at underclass high school kids that are just starting to develop physically and mentally, and you're trying to project a couple of years down the line. So 
um, it's this is a much harder job trying to project uh, talent and how kids are going to wind up uh, when they finish growing. Now, Coach, you mentioned the physical and the mental side of things. There, you know, in, in your um, you know in your experience, what's more important? Uh, when you're evaluating a kid, especially a high school kid, is, is it to, to get to know the, the mental aspect of them or, you know, kind of project their, their physical abilities? Yeah, I, I, I think both, both uh, factors are extremely critical. Um, you, you guys have been around and, you know, there's, there's a, lot of, a lot of players walking around that have physical skills to play, but for one reason or another, um, whether it's the, the, the toughness, the desire, the work ethic, uh, the love of the game, uh, the intangibles to play football, sometimes that's missing in guys. And they're, even though they look like they look the part, you say, this guy's a can't-miss guy or this guy's going to be a heck of a player, any one of those parts, if, it, um, if it's lacking, they're, they're not going to be very productive football players. So the more you can find out about a person – and the player that you're looking at, uh, what makes them tick? Uh, you know, do, do they do they really enjoy playing football? Do they enjoy practicing and working and all of that that goes into making a good player? That just helps tremendously in the evaluation process. We're joined by Billy Devaney here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus. Coach, when, when you look at your job right now, how balanced is it maybe with current team duties and recruiting duties? Is it a pretty even split or does it kind of wait to one, uh, one over the other? Well, I think the way it's shaping up, it's going to be seasonal. Um, right now, it's um, the, all my focus, and I love this part of it now. I'm just watching tape coming in and just just grinding tape uh, of every position and, and a ton of players around the country. So right now, it's uh, all my hours are geared to the recruiting process. Um, up to this point, it's all been for our current roster and evaluating our players and getting a feel for for every uh, every player on our roster, and it'll stay this way now until basically we come back uh, in August for salt for fall camp, and then it shifts over for in season, and then I'll be knee deep in obviously opponent uh, opponent scouting, uh, game scouting, game uh, our games and personnel, while still dabbling in the recruiting part. So it's going to depend on what part of the season we're in, where my focus is. Um, but right now, it's it's on the recruiting and evaluating, which, which is which is my love. That's what I've been a personnel guy for 32 years. So, this even though it's quiet around here right now, this is a great time uh, for me to uh, you know to spend so much time looking at high school tape. Coach, do you, with all the the other coaches out on the road recruiting, um, you mean are, is there a pretty wide open dialogue with those guys who may come across a prospect that they want you to evaluate, or or you know some like Gundy or whoever back in the offices yeah. to evaluate right now? Yeah, that, that it's one of the neat things here. There's there's so many neat things uh, to this operation. One is one of it is the the outstanding communication between. Uh, the coaching staff and the personnel evaluators. Uh, I, when, uh, when when these guys are out on the road right now, it's kind of it, it's somewhat fluid, where they may get wind they were headed to to see some kid in Texas, and uh, they heard the night before or two days before that the kid is fully committed to going to another place, and we're kind of wasting our time. And they'll call back and they'll 
and Gundy will have say, well, that, that's fine. There's another guy, you know, that, that's that's come up in Louisiana. Let's head let let's head over there. So, the, yeah, the communication is phenomenal. Um, the cooperation uh, between the coaching staff and the personnel staff personnel staff is outstanding. And uh, it just makes for a really smooth running operation. We're joined by Billy Devaney here on the Husker Online Show. Coach, I'm sure, was it a big adjustment for you just getting caught up to speed uh, with all these rules in recruiting? And when you look at some of the rules, I, I'm sure, were you kind of scratching your head? I mean, there's, there's just so many different layers of the rule book um, as far as what you can do, what you can't do, uh, when you look at how this recruiting process is uh, del- uh, divvied out uh, with all the rules. Oh my God, it's unbelievable. And when when you say having get gotten caught up with, I'm not even close to getting caught up with this stuff. Um, I'm, I've got the, I'm looking at the the NCAA manual in front of me right now, and I take I take it home, back to my apartment every night and read a couple of pages, try to, to just to become familiar with it. But I, I've said in the past couple of weeks, I thought the collective bargaining agreement in the NFL was um, cumbersome. Oh my gosh, this NCA stuff is unbelievable. What you can and can't do, and um, I'm very leery of doing anything before I run it by Gundy. Whether it's returning a phone call or returning a, a, a text message or something, I want to make sure I'm, I'm doing everything um, legal, because like like you like you talked about, it's just it's just endless the rules and regulations. Uh, Coach, uh, now that the NFL draft is behind us, yeah, I'm curious how involved you were in that process with Nebraska's draft eligible players. You, did you have conversations with them about, you know, what to expect or how to approach this entire process? Yeah, I, I did, and it was and, and it was awesome. Um, it's a it's a really good good group of guys, and I think most of the most of the draft el- eligible guys either were drafted or got tryouts or free agent con- contracts. Um, I talked to them right away um, a day before the pro day and just talked about what scouts would be looking for, what's important, how to approach each drill, uh, talked about uh, agents and that process. And so they were, they were really receptive, even up until yesterday. Um, guys going off to uh, tryout camps and mini, mini camps this weekend I had multiple conversations with guys on what to expect and the best approach to take about being good note takers, being mentally prepared at night, going back to your dorm rooms and and uh, studying what you had picked up that day. So it's it's been fun uh, working with those guys, and um, I look forward to doing it each year. I mean, I think that's that'll be a big part of my job to help these kids um, prepare for the NFL best I can. We're joined by Billy Devaney here on the Husker Online Show. Coach, when when you look at just the Big Ten in general, the league had 47 players drafted, uh, the SEC 51, and a couple years ago uh, that gap was a lot wider. What have you seen just in the Big Ten uh, where they've been able to kind of close the talent gap on the SEC and, and um, you know, how tough is this league going to be in the future when you know what guys like Harbaugh and Meyer are already doing and Mark D'Antonio, but then you add a Lovey Smith at Illinois and, and obviously Iowa and a lot of these teams in this league. But uh, what, what's your take on just the talent level and the upgrades this league has gone through the last few years? Yeah, fortunately, guys, it, it doesn't surprise me because uh, part of my area up until a couple of months ago as a college scout, uh, I was in most of the Big Ten schools over the past couple of years evaluating players, and um, 
I've always thought that you, you see tremendous talent uh, throughout the Big Ten, and on top of that, you see tremendous coaching, uh, not just only the head coach, really strong uh, coaching staff throughout the Big Ten that do a great job of preparing uh, their kids uh, as football players. So it's not surprising to me that that gap is closing. I wasn't aware of that, but it's certainly not surprising. Um, and I've, I've seen it firsthand the past couple of years when I'm about when, I, when I'm out on the road uh, scouting Big Ten schools. Uh, Coach, uh, you were able to to give us some a lot of advice to to the draft eligible players and things of that nature, and, and that's something you can you're going to continue to do. Do you think that could turn into maybe a little bit of a recruiting tool uh, when you know visitors come on campus with their parents, and uh, maybe you could sit down with the parents and, and kind of you know explain what some of your experiences have been like, what your what your uh, expertise is in that area. Well, as a matter of fact, I think that will come up uh, every now and then as, as I'm talking to uh, recruits. So, yeah, I think that's a, um, I think that'll wind up being a, you know, a strong selling point uh, for our program. And again, I, I give a lot of credit to uh, Sean Eichhorst for even coming up with this idea, and that was, and that 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 was part of his, you know, part of his reasons. Uh, you know, to try to come up with a, an advantage here at Nebraska that uh, other schools uh, they 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 don't have. So I give him a ton of credit for creating this, and absolutely will utilize that position in my experience and NFL contacts and all that as 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 much as possible. And as we wrap things up with Billy Devaney, first of all, Coach, what is your take on the, the satellite camps and, and kind of that whole soap opera we went through the last month? And now that they're back on, will you be out at any of these events? Because I know last year Nebraska was able to travel. A lot of their non-coaches, guys like Gunderson and Andy Vaughn and DVD were at a lot of these events. Will you be able yourself to get out to some of these satellite camps? Right. You know what? That's kind of evolving. That just came down um, was just a week ago. And quite honestly, I, I've never gone to, I, I wasn't here last off season and wasn't able to take part in any of the satellite camps. So I, um, I know this, uh, coach Riley and Gundy and they're going to get together shortly and figure out, you know, what, what's the best thing to do, whether continuum, whether just put emphasis on our camps here at Nebraska, maybe blend, have a combination. Um, that's kind of like to be determined at this point. And, um, like I said, Coach and Gundu and the coaches will get together in the next couple of days and figure out what kind of what direction that we want to go with that. Well, Coach Devaney, uh, we appreciate the time and uh, we hope you've adjusted the life here in Lincoln. Oh man, I'm in the process, and I tell you what, it is a great process. I just I just love it. Um, and I I get people ask me all the time when I, when I uh, people call from the NFL or friends and like how. Do you still like it as much? And I said, I'm telling you, when I get up in the morning, I can't wait to get to work. Uh, every day, I'm excited about coming in here. And uh, Lincoln has been awesome. I just, I, I'm just so thankful to be part of this. Billy Devaney, our guest here on the Husker Online Show. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus. We were just joined by Billy Devaney, Mike Riley, special assistant, former general manager of the St. Louis Rams. And, Nate, that was a fascinating interview uh, just to kind of hear 
the evolution of this job that Nebraska basically created. And it's it's groundbreaking in a lot of ways because there really isn't another Billy Devaney in college football that they could kind of duplicate this job after. And you get the sense he's still really kind of adjusting to, to this role and, and what he's doing. Well, I think one of the my main takeaways was that is that his he, he doesn't have a super defined role. He said it's kind of going to be a seasonal type of deal right now. Now that spring ball is over, he's heavily involved in the evaluation process process watching film and everything and you know before the draft he was involved in giving you know a lot of the Nebraska's draft eligible players advice on how to to go about you know with their pro days and with uh, agents and how to approach the their mini camps and tryouts and things like that so uh, and and now you know he also mentioned that going forward he's going to be probably involved in when players and and families come on campus and kind of sitting down talking with them and maybe kind of going over you know, his expertise and, and his knowledge from the NFL. And, and that could be a big recruiting tool for Nebraska. So it is really fascinating. I think the other thing I found interesting was just him watching high school film because it, it can be easy. Um, you know, we could watch a, a game of a guy in Omaha that's playing three of the worst teams mm-hmm. and, and he could look awesome. And, and you, you don't know the context of high school film and where it's division one, it's division one film. You pretty much know what kind of context of film you're watching, but you don't know the level of the competition. And to me, that would be maybe the biggest adjustment for a guy like coach Devaney is adjusting uh, to the styles of football and the levels of football. Well, yeah, levels of competition is, will be big. And I think another thing is, you know, when you're watching an offensive tackle and in the big 10, you know that that kid is pretty much done growing and, and is about as mature physically as it's going to get. Whereas now with the, the way the recruiting process is now, you know, there's sophomores in high school, freshmen in high school picking up offers. And you have to really, really project well on a lot of those guys. When you're going to throw out an offer early, I think you have to do a very good job of, of projecting how these kids are going to continue to develop physically and, and uh, you know, mature and fill out and so on and so forth. So that is that would definitely be a huge, um, you know, change in pace, I think, the big-time curveball for Billy Devaney. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we give our thoughts from what you just heard from Billy Devaney here on the Husker Online Show. I'll be also interested, Nate, do you get the sense that he'll go on these satellite camps? Or um, I, I guess from what we'll talk about this more um, in recruiting throughout the, the season here, but um, do you get the sense he's going to go to some of these camps? I'd be shocked if he didn't. I mean, he's obviously someone they, they respect his opinion. He's watching film. He's evaluating film right now. So I would think that they would want him out at, at least some of these satellite camps to where he can get an eye on kids and watch these guys in person. I'd love to have him in Kansas City with us yeah. at the Rivals Camp and get his take on some prospects, and I'm sure Josh Hemhold and Mike uh, Farrell would as well. Absolutely. I mean, just to be able to pick this guy's brain for hours and hours on end, it, I mean, he's everything about him is pretty fascinating. You could tell that he's a pro guy, too, you know, just from listening to him. He sounds like Mike Mayock to me when he you does, talk to him. Yeah. It, sounds like, I mean, he sounds like a lot of those, those pro guys, a pro scout, and uh, and it, it's uh, and I do think that he's really enjoying his new role and, and enjoying Lincoln too I don't think that's just uh you know uh, uh lip service there I think he really is enjoying everything and it sounds like him and, and Ryan Gunderson have developed a, a quick working relationship mm-hmm. together and and that's sometimes not always easy to do I mean you bring in another layer and and kind of shake things up and it so far so good I think with how they made this kind of puzzle come together yeah that was you know I think that was uh uh 
big a big deal there is something that maybe a lot not a lot of people really thought about but you know sometimes when you are maybe the 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 right hand man for the head coach and then all of a sudden they bring in another guy that the head coach respects just as much maybe even more that could you know potentially cause a rift there but it sounds like everything has been a pretty seamless transition which is very good all right when we come back here on the husker online show we will wrap things up as we'll get nate klaus's take on the world of recruiting as several different storylines to get to including alabama making a visit to calabasas no other than lane kiffin to check in on Keyshawn Johnson Jr. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And final segment here of the Husker Online Show, as we just heard from Billy Devaney, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. Now, we want to close with some recruiting. It's the heart of the spring evaluation period. That means coaches are traveling the nation, seeing everybody. And there was definitely some interesting, quote-unquote, evaluations, Nate, going on this week. Uh, let's start with Lane Kiffin, um, the former, the son of former Nebraska coach and player, Monty Kiffin, now at Alabama as the offensive coordinator, uh, was out out in California this week to evaluate Keyshawn Johnson Jr. Uh, no surprise, this sent off a so- social media shockwave of Husker fans reacting. Uh, what are your thoughts and what can you tell us about why Lane Kiffin would be visiting Keyshawn Johnson Jr.? Well, my initial thought is, hey, it, I think it should be nice for Nebraska fans to to have Alabama after one of your commitments. I think it kind of validates the, the type of player that you're after, the type of player that you have committed to you. Uh, but, you know, at the core here, I, I think this is something where I know that Alabama was not happy with Keyshawn Johnson Jr. when he committed to Nebraska. They were making a strong push for him, uh, despite what a lot of people were saying, you know, that maybe he, maybe Alabama backed off or, or he didn't have a committable offer there. But I think this does show that Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin wanted Keyshawn Johnson Jr. He's still going after him. But I would not be worried if you're a Nebraska fan. This commitment to Nebraska is about as solid as it gets, even though he's continuing to draw interest and and coaches are going to be going through there. And and let's face it, there's going to be a lot of coaches going through Calabasas High School. I mean, Keyshawn Johnson Jr. is a good player, but he's not the only good player at the high school. Uh, Darnay Holmes, five-star cornerback, is there. Bookie Radley-Hiles is a a 2018 prospect that's still, um, you know, is a Rivals 250 guy that, uh, that is out there at Calabasas. Of course, Tristan Jebbia is a Rivals 100 prospect. So uh, there's a lot of talent out there, and there's going to be a lot of coaches going through that school. So, um, you know, if you're a Nebraska fan, I, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned here and certainly no reason to, uh, to think that there's going to be, you know, something taking place with this commitment. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk recruiting here, uh, Nebraska in the heart of the evaluation period. And there was another uh, interesting coach, a good friend of ours, Angus McClure, former Bill Callahan assistant coach, now at UCLA. He was in the state of Nebraska this week. Um, they've already offered Austin Allen. They did offer Cameron Jurgens. Um, they, they made some other trips to like Lincoln East and Ashland Greenwood. What was your take on Angus coming here? And, and, and honestly, Nate, 
why does UCLA come to Nebraska? I think a lot of people ask that question um, because obviously their, their surroundings, where they're at, they really don't need to be recruiting in, in Nebraska. It is a curious situation, but this is not something where Angus or, or UCLA in general is, is necessarily trying to uh, retaliate back against Nebraska because, uh, you know, they've had some success out in California and they had, you know, they hosted Raheem Johnson, who's committed to UCLA for the spring game and things like that. This is an area, I mean, Angus has been coming into Nebraska now for the last five, six, seven years or more. Um, and, you know, when he was at Nebraska, he made a lot of great connections here. He, he went on to Buffalo and was a part of the Turner Gill staff there. He recruited Nebraska at that time and has recruited Nebraska, you know, over the last seven or eight years while he's been at UCLA. So, and they've offered some guys here. You know, let's not forget that Noah Fant had a UCLA offer. Uh, DJ Foster. They was, looked at Mick Stoltenberg. They looked at Mick Stoltenberg. DJ Foster was a guy that they were after. So this is not a, a new thing. Um, you know, they did come through. They offered Cameron Jurgens. They, they, I know they stopped by Bellevue West to, to see Tyler Charest. They were by Ashlyn Greenwood to see Brett Cottrell throw. You know, they wanted to see Brett Cottrell, see how healthy he is, see what that knee is like. I know they made it out to, to see Austin Allen, uh, who's – obviously committed to Nebraska as well. And then they went up to Norfolk to see uh, Logan Strom, the big tight end, offensive tackle prospect, also a basketball player, and then was by uh, Lincoln East to see Chris Walker. So there's a lot of good prospects that they were out to see. Now the question here is how efficient is that for UCLA to do? You know, they arguably have just as many – well, they, there's no arguing about it. They have got just as many prospects, probably 10 times the amount of prospects within, you know, 40 square miles of the Brentwood campus out there in Los Angeles. So I don't know if it's too time efficient uh, for them to be spending here, you know, a couple days going through Nebraska, but that's part of Angus's rec recruiting territory. And this is the time of year where you go out and you hit your territory. You spend a day or two. You and spend a day or two seeing what is in your territory and evaluating guys to see if those are guys you need to keep an eye on. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we wrap things up with Nate Klaus and talk recruiting. You mentioned Brett Cottrell at Ashland Greenwood. Um, he's having a really good finished to his junior year, Nate. Um, he, he's throwing the shot, put almost 55 feet now, uh, one of the leaders in the state behind Cam Jurgens, of mm -hmm. course. Uh, but uh, Minnesota comes in and offers Brett Cottrell. It's his first FBS offer, um, and not a surprise to both you and I because I think we both agree he probably is the best prospect in the state um, other than the fact that he had that knee injury. Well, what is your take on this Minnesota offer and maybe what it could do to expediate things with Nebraska? Well, I think this is that Minnesota offer definitely opens the door for a lot of other big time schools to come in, a lot of other FBS schools, including Nebraska, to come in and offer him. And and I think had he not been hurt last year after that second game or during that second game of the season, I think he'd already have probably close to double digit offers. This is a kid who is six four, two hundred and eighty pounds, put together extremely well, is fast. I mean explosive. Explosive. I, I think that a lot of people thought a year ago go he might have been better than Ben Stilley exactly I was just going to say that so this isn't somebody who's just you know recently come on the scene I think it, had he not been hurt he'd have a, a ton of attention right now and who knows he'd probably already have a Nebraska offer I think a lot of schools are waiting to see uh, him do some football activities get into a stance see how explosive he is see see exactly how that knee has recovered from the injury before they offer and obviously Minnesota thought they saw enough to go ahead and pull the trigger and I think that will definitely open the door for a lot of other FBS schools to go ahead and follow suit yeah as we wrap it up as I, if I were to handicap the in-state offers they already have Austin Allen 
I think Brett Cottrell gets one at D tackle. I, I think there's an opportunity for an offensive tackle to get one. Chris Walker's kind of the sleeper name, I think, and then maybe one of those interior offensive linemen. Yeah, I think you, you have to talk about uh, you know Patrick Arnold, uh, Tyler Charest, Peter Garrels maybe even. So there's there's a handful of interior guys, offensive tackle, Rudy Stauffer, Chris Chris Walker, maybe even Logan Strom. You know, as could be a, a developmental tight end, uh, offensive tackle type of guy with his size at six eight, two hundred forty five pounds. So there's a, definitely a lot of players that are going to be right there on the cusp of adding Nebraska offer. You know, heading into camp season. Well, lots to follow. Make sure you stick on HuskerOnline.com as we'll have full coverage of all the recruiting news and scoop here over the next week as this recruiting evaluation period continues. And on next week's show, we will preview the big Rivals Camp Series event in Kansas City where several top 500-mile radius prospects will be in attendance. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 